Today on Sagittarian Matters, Michelle T. joins us to give advice on crushes, self-promotion, self-esteem, and more. Plus, we check in with producer Chris. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Michelle T. is a writer, a tarot card reader, the co-founder of Sister Spit, and a regular guest on Sagittarian Matters. She's the author of the books Against Memoir, A Mermaid in Chelsea Creek, The Chelsea Whistle, and so many more. You can follow Michelle, get tarot readings, and check out her new podcast on Instagram at This Is Your Magic. Now please enjoy my talk with friend to the show, Michelle T. My crush is keeping me on a back burner. What should I do from Uh, Sad in Sacramento? Oh, Sad in Sacramento. Well, huh. I, what does it mean to be on a back burner? So I'm wondering, like, is this person getting any action off their crush at all? I think it's probably like the thing where somebody gives you just enough to keep you paying attention to them, but not actually intriguing but not actually following through yeah yeah i think i I think that that's what it sounds like yeah i think that if that's been happening for more than like one moon cycle just like cut it off like sometimes things take a minute to develop sometimes people are slow and there's circumstances that you might not be aware of but i feel like a solid moon cycle if there hasn't been any action any any move to bring you closer um, and give you a makeout and start enjoying each other, then yeah, find a new crush. Yeah. And, and also I, uh, this advice rang in my head that a friend in my twenties was like, anything that's not a yes is a no. And that I had to remember true. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's hard when things are first starting out. Cause sometimes it's like, well, you know, people are kind of sniffing each other's butts a little bit and trying to figure it out. But yeah, I mean, after a moment for sure, for sure. I, I just feel like it's it's never did me wrong, never done me wrong to just like gather up my di- dignity and walk away <laughs> from something like that where I felt like somebody was just like, well, I like your attention, but I don't like you know, right. but I'm not really willing to hang out with you like that. But I will yeah. if you'll like drive me somewhere else. You know, oh god, like when that's I, horrible. When I had a pickup truck, people would be like, hey Nicole, <laughs> do you want to uh, do you want to go to like the bins, which was the the big thrift store and I'd be like yeah. sure and I'd show up on my bicycle and they'd be so bummed oh they'd my like, god that's so insulting this is when I was 20 years old if you have a pickup truck you have way more friends than you ever thought you did and people are like hey do you want to go to the dump <laughs> this is the sorry crush person this is different than your than your question but anything that's not a yes is a no and you know if someone's not texting you back they're the ones that are blowing it not you oh yeah Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, all your only job as a, a crush haver is just to show up and be like, hey, I'm this person. What do you think? And it's like they <laughs> either if they don't respond, then it's just like, OK, bye. Like you can't. It, it, you just, yeah. If it's meant to be, they'll come around. I really love that. I think it's very programming advice. But like if you if you and another person are meant to be, there's nothing you can do 
to sabotage it. And if you're not meant to be, there's nothing you can do to make it happen. That's good advice. I love it because I think you can start thinking that there's you have some sort of control that you can sort of do some, do the right thing to get someone to like you. I, I, I don't know where we learn this, but I feel like it's probably very female, too. I don't know. But... And then it's our job to sort of, once we get that person to like us, it's our job to kind of keep all the balls in the air, to keep making sure that they like us so that the relationship continues. And none of that is true. Like your only responsibility is just to like be authentically yourself and hang out. Yeah. I I don't know if it's, I feel like this sounds sometimes like I'm um, being, maybe being a Capricorn, but I just am always like, eh, it will or it won't. Like that person, and that's basically what you're saying. It's just like that person's either going to like you or they're not. And like you can only keep the mask on for so long. Like you can only keep the balls there for so long. And at some point that mask is going to like shift and they're going to see who you are. Even if you think you're doing a marvelous job of hiding it, that's just going to make you seem like more of a weirdo or more of a freak. (laughs) If you're trying to control how they see you so bad. Yeah. That's going to be weirder than you just being who you are. Warts and all. A hundred percent. I do want to say that we don't know that this querent is doing that per se. We just sort of have gone Mm -hmm. off on our own little tangent. But we do know that this person feels like they're on the back burner. And that's just, you don't want to be on the back burner. You want to be on that front right hand burner, the one that goes up super high. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and if somebody's, I, I feel like, you know, if somebody's wasting your time, if you can tell that they like don't like you enough to do the thing that you are actually wanting of them. It's okay to be like, I just can't, I just can't hang around right now, but you know, call me later if you totally want to make it's out. So, you can yeah. be direct. Yeah, totally. Oh, oh yeah. You should be direct. You should. That's a great idea. Instead of just fading sure. away. Just yeah. be like, there's an opportunity here for you. If you would like to take advantage of it, send me your I mean, resume. Otherwise. You're not getting anything right now. You have nothing to lose. Yeah getting anything well you know sorry to be so gross about it no but it's the truth it's the truth but then i i I think that like people who who do that who keep a lot of orbiters like it is a thing like some people keep orbiters you know like um they give they give their satellites the feeling that something might happen right that there's a romance like on the horizon and it's, that can be really intoxicating for people who are looking for romance or who are bored or sex addicted <laughs> or all of the above can be very like, yeah, it can, it can keep you hooked and you don't realize that it feels a little toxic until you, you feel a little toxic from it. Yeah. And just your time on earth is limited. Just spend it on yourself or on people that are actually giving you the thing that you're asking of them. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's fun to have those little intrigues and you're like, that's fine. You're on my back burner too. And that can be okay. But like, if that doesn't feel good to you, you should get out of that. I think this is good advice. Yeah. Michelle, do you have any tips on self-esteem? This is uh, something a listener asked. It's a little general, but do you have any tips on self-esteem and or comparing yourself to others? Oh, compare and despair. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I truly find that reading Buddhist literature is a bomb for so many of these sort of like negative mind fucks that we put ourselves through because so much of Buddhism is really about our minds and how like the illusion of our thoughts and stuff like that. So I find that Mm. they help me a lot. Um, And then I also think that like 
faking it till you make it is good. You know, like sometimes we just don't believe in ourselves and we just have to pretend that we do. We just have to act as if. And sometimes it kind of catches fire and, you know, it, it, it kind of works. Like, because I think that, I don't know, if it, it's possible that your behavior as a low self-esteem person and then your behavior as a person who's pretending to have high self-esteem might be different behavior and you might get better results. The the behavior that's attached to the fake self-esteem might actually give you results that then create a real self-esteem. So, um, and therapy, of course, is really oh, yeah. great. I mean, because, you know, low self-esteem is generally rooted in some sort of like larger issue, trauma, history, you know, stuff, stuff that didn't heal a break that didn't set properly. Right. So it's good to kind of get, get in there and figure out why do I feel like this? Um, and honestly also astrology can sometimes be helpful because sometimes our astrology can show us like why we have these, these little cracks. Um, and then we can figure out good ways to handle them. What do you think? Yeah. Gosh, well, Full disclosure, I also asked Beth Pickens this question. Oh, because yeah? I knew, you t- I knew you two would have different and valuable advice. Yeah, I, I want to know what, what... Well, hers was... It was therapy and also esteemable actions mm-hmm. and things like that. But I think I think on your line, I do believe in faking it till you make it. I yeah. think about this also in the framework of um, self-promotion and how... And also... I don't know if this is Buddhism or just psychology or what, but the thing that you repeat to yourself, you know, the fantasy you feed is the one that grows. The thing that you repeat to yourself, but you know, the thing that is your focus is the thing that's going to get energy. That's the thing that's going to grow. Yeah. So I remember like when I had a zine and I was idolizing all these self-deprecating men that would refer to their zines. It's like this rag, this piece of shit (laughs) to be cool. And I tried to, I started to do before that. I just was like, my zine's fine. It's not for everyone. I'm a teenager, so I wish that my writing was what I want it to be, but it's not yet, or mm-hmm. my art. But I was like, my zine's fine. But then I started calling it like, this rag, this piece of trash, like whatever. <laughs> and then that that kind of got in my head, and I started getting weird low self-esteem about it. And I was like, where is this coming from? Oh, that's so interesting. I was like, I feel different about the quality of the thing I'm doing because of the thing I'm just repeating over and over again to be cool. Yeah. And so then self self-promotion and listener i hope that you can transfer this to your self-esteem question self-promotion doesn't feel natural and comfortable to anyone the first day they're doing it nobody like makes their first thing and is like everybody come around you gotta (laughs) check this out (laughs) but you just realize that you just have to do it if you're self-employed you just have to do it that's all that's the question you can be comfortable with it or not but you just have to at least pretend to be comfortable with it for one second and just do it Totally. I remember when I first moved to San Francisco, well, when I was kind of more new in San Francisco and when I started doing like events and stuff and I would make flyers and I didn't really know very, a lot of people. Like I ultimately ended up knowing everybody, but at first I didn't know anybody and I would be at like bars and clubs and stuff and just go up to people and give them flyers because that's how you promoted things. And I, it made me really uncomfortable to do it. Like I felt really dumb and, but you had to pretend that you didn't feel dumb because if you walk up to somebody, a stranger, pretending, acting all like, oh, uh, hi, um, here's a flyer. You probably don't want it. You know, like, you can't do that. Like, you have, even though I felt like that, I was like, this person doesn't want to talk to me. They're talking to their friends. They don't want me to interrupt their conversation and give them a flyer. But I just had to be like, no, my event is actually really great. And I'm going to just go and give them a flyer. I'm, like, helping them out by telling them that, like, there's this great thing they want to go do. So I'd just be like, hey, and just act way more confident than I 
was. And then that did become, to some extent, my manner, I think. Because I, yeah. I trained my body and my mind to do that. I still have to sometimes, like, take a step back and look at myself objectively and be like, I'm fine. You know, yeah. like, you can get in your head because you know. It's kind of like um, when you're a kid and you're doing a play and the teacher's like, okay, if you miss a line, just keep going because no one else knows the script except right. for us. And I feel like it's that. It's like you get so far in your head, you know how you want to be, but you're not. But nobody else knows right. what that thing what that thing is, that goal that you're trying to meet, and you keep changing the, the benchmarks. And Nobody else knows that. They just see you as a person, and they're around you because they think you're fine. So just accept, just accept that. Today's episode is brought to you by Maria Turner Carney, Emily Helmus, Grace Lambert, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, Mary Pinson, Michelle Lemoyne, Jamie Caretti, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, that's your choice, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet, like the insect, leg, like its appendage, at gmail. Or, this just in, he's got a Venmo, Hell Books, on Venmo. That's H-E, double hockey sticks, books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, you. Don't be scared, that's just Ponyo's voice. We want to give a special shout-out this week to Sagittarian Test Kitchen sous chef Kaya Wilson for preparing the tahini sweet potato for us to try. Thank you, Chef Kaya. We appreciate your support. Dear Sagittarian Matters, I'm realizing my job is to make... Oh, I'm self-employed graphic designer, and I've been lucky to be successful, but I'm realizing that my job is to make capitalism more appealing. How to reduce harm in this system? Hmm... Interesting. Your job is to make capitalism more appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, we can skip this one if you want. No, no, we shouldn't. Okay. We shouldn't skip it. I mean, I think that most of us feel compromised by our jobs at different points. And I just feel like at the very least to have a job is to be participating in capitalism. So we at the very least feel torn about that. It's like you might feel that your job is somehow more overtly making you participate or support capitalism, but truly everybody who is in the capitalist system, we're we're all participating in it. We are literally trapped by it for our survival. Like I personally can't figure out how to get out of it because I need money. Right. Um, So just, I think it can be helpful to know that the problem is bigger than you um, because sometimes it can feel so urgent. Like, what am I going to do? I got to do something. And I'm not saying that like there aren't actions that you can take to sort of, do your part, whatever that might be. But like, you are not going to solve capitalism. Like you're this problem. Like it is, it is so much bigger than all of us. And it is very complicated because even as we want to dismantle it, we are in it for our survival. So I don't know, man. Um, if there, if there are different jobs that you feel like are too compromising to you, if you're, if you have the ability to turn them down, maybe that's something that you can do talking about it you know, with other people and, and talking about the, um, the paradoxes or the perceived hypocrisies that you're yourself participating in. I feel like, I don't know, I I actually really get something out of other people talking about that kind of stuff because I feel like, 
we don't, none of us like, none of us in my world anyway, like this system, but we don't, we can't really figure out how to, you can't just overthrow, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like a graphic designer is going to overthrow capitalism. Like I wish, you know, that it was that, <laughs> that easy. But, um, but I think that just being part of the swell, the groundswell of people that's talking about how it doesn't work is helpful, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just subletted my apartment to this woman and I looked her up on Instagram to see more about her. And I saw that she's a graphic designer, but her Instagram account, she's made, she's used her graphic design abilities to make really beautiful images, basically supporting the movements of the day, supporting Uh things that are going on. And so, I mean, I know as a self-employed person, it's hard to find extra time to do the thing that you're doing all day for money. But I wonder if this person feels particularly bummed about a a job that's advertising or something, if they could use their skills to make something really beautiful for an organization or for a movement or a particular cause and put it out that way just to feel like like harm reduction. Yes, yeah, harm reduction. I like that model because it's again it's like it's too you you're not going to a lot of times when we try to just kind of like opt out of of capitalism we just end up hurting ourselves in a way that doesn't help anything because we need to be functional to be able to fight and live and create a different world, right? So it's hard to figure out, like, when are you cutting off your nose to spite your face and when are you actually making a move that actually has an impact beyond just hurting yourself. So that sounds really good. Yeah. Michelle, speaking of moves, can you tell us about your podcast? (gasps) Yeah. Everything that you're doing on Instagram. Okay, cool. Um, Yes, I have a media company that I'm building with a bunch of people. It's called Your Magic. It's a mysticism, contemporary mysticism sort of joint. And um, we do have a podcast in the works that will be on Spotify. It's really exciting where there will be sort of tarot readings with people I admire and tarot readings also with uh, just folks who have who want help with the tarot and cool segments about different kind of uh, mystical practices and spiritual practices. And I also, meantime, if you follow um, This Is Your Magic on Instagram, I do a regular show every once a week on Instagram Live where you can DM me your tarot, your questions, and I'll pick tarot cards for you. It's really fun. And um, there's also two other folks that we work with, Vera Blossom and Veronica Agard, and they have shows also on Instagram Live where they interview different people about healing or queer glamour or various various cool jumping off points for conversations so yeah if you follow us on on instagram at this is your magic you'll be able to find out about all of it oh my god michelle thank you so much for being on the podcast i love it always nicole thanks for inviting me producer chris Welcome back to your own podcast, Sagittarian Matters. It's so great to be here. Can you even believe? Can you even believe there was a time where we didn't interact every single week? You know, when I think about, you know, when I think about the number of podcasts that we have, some days it, it doesn't seem like very much, and some days it seems like a lot. Do you ever think that? It's so many hours. But when I look at like the hundreds of thousands of downloads and then I think about, it just feels surreal. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it feels good to know. I mean, we've talked about this, like getting feedback about, 
the show. Like even little bits that come through, like if somebody donates or something like that, um, it really does make it all worth it. You know, the fact that somebody else is enjoying it. And, you know, I say this every time we get together. It, it is beneficial. It's as good as any other podcast that you would listen to. I wanted to ask you a quick question, and I don't know if there's a way to streamline this, but I keep getting asked by people, how do you make the podcast? You know, what kind of fancy equipment do you guys have? How do you do it? And so I basically just tell them it is like a true lo-fi situation on my end. I use my iPhone. I use my iPhone. And I currently am doing stuff on Zoom, recording both ends, uh, recording Zoom to the cloud, and then having each person record their end is a new technology that we've discovered. Right. And then I listen to it. And the, the hottest tip I can give people is to write down the time codes of when things happen in a conversation. Like if something happens, someone has a coughing fit, write down what part you want to cut out. If someone says something really good, write that down so you know it later. So you don't have to like listen to the whole two hours again. And then I send you some edits and I send it to you. And then what do you do? What I do is I, I listen to the podcast from beginning to end while having your edits next to me. And then um, I just have this program where I can have the times plugged in and um, like I chop it up. And then what I do is I put it together like a puzzle. That's kind of how I view the recording program. And the thing is that I've gotten like recording or editing jobs because of this show. And when they, you know, when I get into that groove and they talk to me about it, they're just like, oh, so you have this, you have this filter, do you have this? And I'm just like, uh, no, no. And they're just like, oh, well, what do you do for Sagittarius Matters? It's like, it's like an iPhone and I chop it up on this cheap program that you've never heard of. And then I post it. On Podbean. And then I post it on Podbean, you know? And so, in a way, it's like I'm putting together this puzzle that's also building me up. It's entertaining me. And then I get the satisfaction of posting it and then having people listen to it. So it's like a circle. It's this enlightening circle that I do all the time. Oh, my God. When I asked you if you wanted to start a podcast, that was one of my things. It's like everything I do has to be punk. It has to be simple, you know. And you completely agreed and, you know, now we're here. I mean, I do sometimes, I get a little bit of imposter syndrome when I have to interview somebody who I think of as fancy and I have just like an iPhone. You know, when they're like, oh, you're going to want to set up your stuff somewhere. And I'm like, oh, it's just me pointing my phone at your face. Um, <laughs> like when I see people with podcast microphones, I get a little bit jealous because it looks so profesh and I would love that but then I also don't love it enough to actually then just go and order one so right I mean it's a little bit better there are stuff you can do I mean it'd be so nice to have like a studio where you're sitting in there and it's like all blocked off or whatever but at the same time the iPhone gives you mobility and every time you know I watch a lot of stuff a lot of political stuff online or whatever and there's like always a senator or some person that's important and they have to be interviewed for like some you know like nbc or whatever and the person has an iphone really you know so it's not it doesn't have to be fancy and the thing is there is enough in the program that i have 
to you know make it sound listenable. I mean, the thing is, like, there are unlistenable podcasts, and those podcasts encourage the way that we do it because it's still. I think it sounds. I still think it sounds good, but we didn't use as much stuff as this other person did, and it doesn't sound as good. I I have recent I've listened to some unlistenable podcasts like things where there's just so low that I'm like what did you do how is it even possible like how were you even recording your voice like were you was it like one of those things where someone turns a room into a phonograph and that's how you were recording it like was it recorded on chocolate like was it is this performance art like how does it sound this bad and then you put it on iTunes like how did both of those things happen you ran it through a pedal. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also, it's like people of a certain age that are just like, I'm a therapist from Minnesota and this is my podcast. Because I do, you know, seek out weirder therapy podcasts. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I'm just like, how, yeah, like <laughs> that person running it through a pedal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's a, it's a lot like music, you know, it's like I come from a music background, so that's kind of my vision of how I make music you know there's a way there isn't a right way to make it and there's always points in my life that I was always like oh I'm not rich enough to have a b and c like equipment or this and that and then there's like a band or an artist that I have a personal encounter with that didn't have any of that or spend $50 and everything that they have, but everything that they're doing is still like amazing. So stuff like that is like, well, you know, there isn't really any rules, you know, it's like, you just have to do it and you want it to be listened to. I want people to listen to it, but also the part of it is I want, I just want it to be candid as well. I want it to be like somebody's, you know, there's a fly on the wall, you know, looking down on this conversation and, you know, you're just kind of there taking it in. And I think the feedback that I get from people is that they get that feeling as well. It's kind of like, oh, it's this conversation with these people I kind of know, and I can do these other things, and they're talking about things I care about. Hi, listeners. It's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo, in particular, our comics and animal illustrations, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. So, Chris, you want people to tell you what to watch? Yeah, so with the projects that I do, I don't have really enough time to, to watch a lot of stuff. But what I really, really enjoy is people trying to convince me to watch a show. Oh, I got a show so, for you. So the latest one, the latest one that I've been really enjoying that I'll probably never watch. I'll never watch the show. But, like, there's this group that um, that I'm part of at work um, that they're all really into um, Lovecraft Country. Oh, uh, I... Have you heard of that? Gosh, 
I was really excited to watch it. And then the people I follow on Twitter kind of turned at a certain point because there was like a love scene after Emmett Till's funeral that a lot of people on Twitter were like, what the fuck? Like I was following along too, being like, oh, I can't wait to watch this show. And then people were like, what happened on this episode? What did I just see? They want everybody to watch Lovecraft Country and this will destroy you. Oh, yeah. You have to see this. I may destroy you. Right, but do I want to be destroyed, though? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, I want to be destroyed by the show. Yeah. You like the show. I I loved it, and it it was serious, but it didn't make me feel forlorn, if that makes sense. You know, the the weird thing about that show is that I hardly know anything about it, but the stills of the actress, it's very like she's always scared and sweaty. And so there's this vibe where, like, do I want to be there? It's like, what was that show, Euphoria? Mm, I don't know. That, show. Uh, there's a show called, like, Euphoria. And basically, and I've never seen it, but all everything I know about it is that these teenagers, and they can't stop doing drugs. Me, personally, I'm just like, well, I did that in my life, but I don't know if I want to do that. It just makes my teeth clench to think about what they might what they might be doing. And we've come to this age too, like me and Karen, like there's certain shows that she doesn't want to watch, especially if there's a teenagers, if there's teenagers not being parented and doing crazy stuff, like she's off immediately. I can't watch a show where kids are like searching all over town for like a bag of weed, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I recommend I may destroy you, but I have another show for you. And it's something the whole family could enjoy. It's called Orangutan Jungle School. This in Borneo, orangutan because then vegans listen here. You know, palm oil means that the rainforests and jungles have been devastated. So there's all these homeless orangutans, and like people in Borneo are like you know eating some of them, or sometimes poachers are shooting them, or whatever's happening. There's all these baby orphaned orangutans. So there's this place where they all go to get rehabilitated and they have to teach them orangutan skills that their mothers would have taught them so that they can be released into the wild. And so it's called Orangutan Jungle School. It is not, it is adorable. It's calming, but not boring. Like it's a soothing end of the night kind of thing. It's produced like a reality show where you have your main characters. There's something about it that is, it's not boring in any way. Like, I feel like when I want to watch Planet Earth, I'm like, I know it's going to be beautiful, but it feels boring when I press play. I don't have that feeling. With, with this, I'm just like, oh, my God. Is, you know, is that orangutan going to learn to, I don't know, like, one of, one of them, he weighs twice as much of his cla- as his classmates, and that's, and he's always trying to steal bananas, break into the banana room. There's an albino orangutan. There's an orangutan that, uh, you know, there's times when they're trying to teach them to be afraid of snakes. So they'll pull out a bag with a rubber snake and they're all like, oh, my God. It's just it's very sweet. They're teaching them to climb. They're teaching them to, like, get stuff by, like, they have, like, the fruit on, like, a fishing pole trying to get them to, to grab it from a tree. They have baby orangutans and wheelbarrows, just, like, wheelbarrow full of baby orangutans all over each other. It's a real special show. I recommend it. For, I am an adult. I watch it with another adult. 
But you do have a kid, so if I don't know if she would have the patience for this, but she might like it. And I feel like one of the themes of the show is the importance of hugs. Oh, yeah. She, uh, our daughter loves, loves, loves animals. Like, she, she has a, um, an Audubon book of West Coast animals um, that just has pictures of, like, snakes and whatever. And she, we've had to tape it a bunch of times because she literally sleeps with it. But it's funny that you bring that up, the orangutan thing, because uh, that was actually, it's a bone of contention between me and Karen, because she's really into, what's that, uh, what's that spread that's made out of? Earth balance. Earth balance. She you gotta get, loves, she's gotta dump, she's. Loves, no, she had to. Yeah. She had to, because she actually tried to shut it out. Like, I was like, hey man, orangutans, you know? And she was like, like, don't tell me. I just want to enjoy it. But the whole thing was that I told her once, and now she doesn't get it anymore because she can't handle it. I've been, I really love Miyoko's butter. And I just got a hot tip from Issa Moskowitz, who's coming up on a future episode, that the Miyoko's oat butter um, spreads really well. Oh. So that's my vegan butter for her. I mean, Earth Balance is a tragedy. The, their reliance on palm oil is such a bummer. It's just such a bummer. And I kind of, I don't really believe in if the, like the greenwashing of people that are like certified palm oil. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I also have a similar thing with pine nuts because mm. it takes a long time to cultivate them. And the only real good pine nuts are from old growth. So uh, whenever I see a big bag of pine nuts, like it gives me the shivers because I just think about those amazing trees that are being cut down. Oh my God. I never even thought about that. I did get pine mouth earlier this year. I can't remember what it meant, but it's a thing. You can Google it. Pine mouth? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's some kind of reaction to pine nuts, certain kinds of pine nuts. Maybe they were old or something, but it like, I can't remember. It, it changes your sense of taste for a little while. Oh, pine mouth. Um, I have a surprise for you, which is... Listener, longtime listener, Sybil Snow, who sent us a box of Ticino early on in the podcast, oh, has yeah. been listening to our episodes where we have the resurgence of Ticino, and she's going to send me, she sent me from the company a box of mushroom Ticino and some holiday varieties to try with our guests. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's great. I love it. Tachino is back. <laughs> and you started a band in your own house. Yes, I started a band uh, with um, yeah, with Vivian and Karen. Um, we have three songs. Um, we have about a seven-minute set right now. Okay. So um, that's about as long as we can keep her sort of interested. But uh, it's starting to grow. You know, the interesting thing is, like, we're trying to find out what she's good at. Right now, she's good at everything. So um, we're just trying to find that what her lane is. But everything that we've given her, she's been really good at. She's Vivian. She's three. She's an incredible punk vocalist. Yeah, we can write it. She can write a song and she remembers it. So it's not just like jamming. She has certain things that she wants to do. So it's, it's really exciting. We'll see what she, she is. I mean, like, her parents are nerdy artist people, so 
Will you pl- please consider filming your set and putting it on YouTube Music? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. We'll do it. But the only, the only old people are going to watch it, so it's not going to matter. It's got to be like a TikTok. I think your band's going to take off. It's going to be like the Shags, but so much better. Right. But, you know, what's happened with me is that I've always been trying to form the Shags over and over again. But I will form a band with somebody, and then they'll get really good. And then we don't sound like the Shanks anymore. Please, please uh, videotape your sets while before, before I, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I don't want her to grow out of it, but you know, she might get some other offers, just, you know, while you can still keep the, the, the singer of that band. Um, we have to wrap this up. Yeah. 215 episodes. Yeah. 215 episodes. 215 and I'm not tired of it all. No, me neither. I, I have fluctuating right. confidence depending on the day, but um, I love doing the podcast. You're getting better all the time, and the guests are getting better. And, of course, Pickens is always going to get better. You know, it, and the problem with Pickens is that it doesn't get better than Pickens. So <laughs> like, what are we going to do? What, what we have to worry about is Pickens becoming famous in 2021. Well, that's is definitely that- going to happen. <laughs> There's your shout out, Beth Pickens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, man, it's always great to do it. And of course, you know, we always appreciate all the donations that we get from uh, the listeners. Um, it's always fun to get feedback. It's always fun to hear the questions. Um, so just keep it going. Everybody just keep it going. It's, it's been really fun for me. And I think it's just going to get funner as we keep going along. So I agree. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole, for giving me the opportunity to do this. Thank you, producer Chris. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.